Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Christian, I was saved, I was serving in my church, and I was like, Lord, I want to be married, can you send me a wife, about five foot six, she has long hair, she can sing, I want her to love you as much as I love you, I want her to be dark skinned, and I, I named everything, this is a true story, I sat on the hood of my car in Alexandria, Virginia, looking up at the side, and I, I prayed, I said, God, this is the kind of wife I want, and then eventually, I ended up meeting who is now my wife, the beautiful Kaya Butcher. I would never say that you're the wife of my dreams because dreams can turn into nightmares. But you're everything I've ever prayed for. And I thank God because God answers prayers when we pray according to the will of God. Now listen, I had sold my life out to Christ and just being married was just an afterthought. I said, God, I'm still going to serve you. I'm giving you everything. I've laid my life down on the altar. And I said, I still want to make six figures. And you know what ends up happening? I get out of the military. I come to California, find me a job that started off paying me $75,000 a year. I said, okay, I'm close. But then after I worked there for a year and I was faithful and, and they offered me another job somewhere else for $85,000, I was getting ready to leave that job because, you know, this is the will of God. At least I thought it was. My job offered me, they said, look, I will give you a 25%. They're going to give me a regular raise plus a 25% bonus every year if you stay, which put me above six figures. I'm staying. So I stayed. I was making over six figures. And then one day the Lord called me to the ministry. And I was like, well, that's good. I could work, make six figures. I don't have to be a burden to the church. I don't have to take a salary because I'm making six figures. I'll be like Paul. Paul spread the gospel. He was a tent maker. I was like, okay, cool. And then one day, this pastor had the nerve to ask me, was I still working and being a pastor? And I was like, yeah, man, God's blessing me because, you know, at the time, we had a congregation of about 40. I said, yeah, man, if we don't make the budget, we don't, if we can't pay everything, then guess what? I make enough money. And, and mind you, I'm not even talking about what Kai was making because Kai was making six figures also at the time. Yeah, we were up two hundred some thousand dollars a year, and I said, "Yeah, I could do it." And he says, "I'm going to pray that the Lord release you from that bondage." What you talking about bondage? <laughs> Six figures don't sound like bondage to me. Come on, somebody. And I wasn't working overtime. I mean, I was getting six figures. I was doing all kinds of stuff. But anyway, just to make a long story short. I'm telling you so you understand my heart. I'm not bragging about the money my wife and I could have made. We left that, and we did it by faith to, to, to see the word of the Lord increase in this area. I want you to know that because we laid everything down. Dreams, because with six figures comes dreams, big houses, cars, vacations, all this kind of stuff. We had all these dreams and aspirations with this money, but we decided to give everything up to follow Christ. And some of you guys are sitting here going, well, that's good for you, pastor, but I'm not a pastor. What does God have me do? 
Well, instead, the scripture said in Romans chapter 12 to present your bodies a living sacrifice. God requires acceptable sacrifices. Maybe he isn't calling you to lay down your job, but he's still calling you to lay down your life. What are you holding back on God with? What could God use more you? I mean, you know, sometimes like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll help you move, but I'm only staying an hour. You guys know people like that? How about what's even worse? Yeah, I'll help you move, and they don't show up. We do God the same way. Like, use me, Lord. And God says, yeah, I need you. I need you to work in the children's ministry, church. Use me, Lord. Anywhere else but the children's ministry. say that, saints, I'm saying this and I'm, I'm sharing this with you because I need you to understand that your pastors sacrifice. We're not asking you to do something that we haven't already done or we're not doing. We sacrifice. Our kids don't play sports because we're, we're in to, to church all the time. I know some of you are going to think that's crazy, but I, I, I still have the ministry of the church along with the ministry of my family. And for them to go out and play sports is going to take me away from one or the other. So my kids don't participate in, in, in after-school sports. They do participate in extracurricular activities, but sports, you guys know, if you're going to play sports, and I'm, I was an athlete, that's, that, that's every day during the week. And I don't have time to take my kids out there. My wife is a full-time pastor. I'm a full-time pastor. My eldest son's a full-time pastor. So we're all in the ministry, and this is what we've given up for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not for fame. It's not for fortune. It's that I honestly want to see the glory of God on the earth before Christ returns. I want to try to fill heaven. That's my goal. And I, and I pray that your goal will be the same. I pray that, that, that the church will be the hope of the world. And right now, the church is not the hope of the world. The church is talked about more than anybody. Look, the church is actually, we're like right in line when it comes to Donald Trump and the church with bad media. We are. And guess what? Whose fault is that Donald Trump's in the media all the time? Donald Trump. <laughs> Whose fault is it that the church is in bad media all the time? The church. But we're going to change that here in Sioux soon. It's going to start right here with the Building Christian Fellowship. Why? Because we are going to be a family, a family that is a family of unity, that we are going to fight to keep this unity of real relevant relationships that we have here at the building. I, I mean it. I, I will fight. I will fight you. But the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. So you guys don't know, the, bad, the worst thing you can do is have a righteous man praying for you. That's the worst thing. You want to cut up and start acting foolish? Don't make me get on my knees and start fasting. Because you're going to start going through some things. And I'm not talking about God's going to lay down his wrath on you. I'm just going to talk about what's going to happen. You're going to start seeing your sin. That's the worst place to be. Anybody ever had to deal with their pride? Come on. I'm with some, I know some real some real sin. Isn't that the hardest thing? My God, I had my heart broken before, betrayed. But the hardest thing I ever had to deal with was my own pride. You get somebody praying and fasting for you to deal with your pride, man, you're going to go through some hell. Let me preach. Let me stop. I didn't even start preaching yet. 
Praise God. So I want to keep with the subject of endeavoring to keep the unity. Quiero continuar con el tema de enfrentar, mantener la unidad. Last week we had a great conversation, a good conversation about being offended. La semana pasada tuvimos una buena conversación acerca de estar enfadidos. And how offenses can cause division in relationships unless we deal with them properly. Y como los delitos causan división en la relación a menos que tratamos con ellos adecuadamente. And the proper way to deal with any offense is biblically. Y la forma correcta de lidar con cualquier, excuse me, cualquier ofensa es con la Santa Biblia. Amen. Abre tus Biblias, Ephesians 4, 30 a 32. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, 30 through 32. You guys ever been in church and they, somebody does something, they go, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all been in church long enough to hear that? You know, they always talk about somebody, you look, you grieved the Holy Spirit when you did that. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench. Don't quench the Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in church all your life. I know you heard it. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let some bitterness, mm, all, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Amen. Isn't that nice? <laughs> That's so nice. This, this, this morning's message is bitterness, which the text says to be put away from you. Has anybody in here ever known anybody that's been bitter? Conoces a alguien que sea amargo? Amargo? Amargo. I know amargo. Maybe the person was bitter at God. Tal vez amargado con Dios. Blaming God for every bad thing that has happened to them. Culpando a Dios por las cosas malas que suceden. Maybe they're bitter at a mate. Tal vez amargado con un esposo, un esposa, or amigo. Blaming that person for what they've done, perhaps even ending a relationship or a marriage. Or maybe you're bitter at a parent or a child. Tal vez amargado por la familia. Maybe you're bitter at an employer. Tal vez amargado por la jefe. Because you didn't get that promotion or you didn't get that job or they didn't recognize your hard work. So let's take a look at bitterness and see what bitterness really is. Maybe you're bitter. Tal vez estás amargado. Maybe you know someone who is bitter. Maybe you're bitter and you don't know it. Or maybe you're on the receiving end of being bitter. 
I don't know where you are this morning. No sé tu situación esta mañana. But bitterness is a place that none of us can afford to live in. The cost is too great. It's too expensive. Es muy caro. So let's see what makes a person bitter. Lo que te amarga. What makes a person bitter? Perceived sin. Perceived sin. When we think someone has sinned against us, we harder, harbor resentment towards that person, which can turn into bitterness. The problem is we wait for an apology, and if it doesn't come, we harbor resentment against that person. Has somebody ever done something wrong to you, and you know they've done something wrong to you, and now you're sitting back, you waiting for them to say sorry? See, we got this idea that before we can give somebody forgiveness, they have to apologize. If you don't believe it, don't say nothing. If you believe that, say amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't going to tell nobody I forgive you if they ain't say sorry. Because we always think first the apology, then the forgiveness. Amen? Yeah. Sabe que la palabra disculpas no está en la Biblia. You know what that means? The word apologize isn't in the Bible. You guys find it, let me know. We're looking for something that's not in the Bible. We sit back and wait for an apology before we can forgive somebody. That's a bad place to be in. When someone sins against us, we wait for this apology. If we don't get it, we get bitter toward that person. Listen, what if the person doesn't know or doesn't realize that they did wrong against you? They actually haven't sinned against you. They don't know it, but you perceive that they have. You think their actions were sinning against you, and then all of a sudden you're mad at them, you're bitter at them, and they never come and say sorry because they didn't know that they did something wrong. And you sit back mad at somebody, bitter. You know, one time, someone came to me, and I saw them. I noticed they were acting kind of, you know, you know how people act funny when they're around. You know when something's wrong. They're acting all in their feelings, you know. <laughs> like, hey, man, what's up? Nothing. No, no, there's something wrong. So I seen this person. I said, what's, what's going on? They were like, look, pastor, I'm upset with you. I'm like, why? When I was in the hospital, you didn't even come visit me. I was in the hospital for two weeks. And I was sitting back, and they go, and I'm upset. I felt like you didn't even care that I was in the hospital. I was like, I didn't know you were in the hospital. And they looked at me, and I said, why didn't you tell me? Or who did you tell? Well, I didn't tell you, Pastor, because I know you're busy, and your schedule's full. So I didn't want to bother you. But it just left me really upset. I felt like you didn't care that I was in the hospital. How am I going to apologize for something I I didn't? So you know what I did? I apologized anyway. I just said, you know what? I'm sorry that you perceived that I didn't care. I do care about you. And you know what? If you had been in a small group, I'm serious. This is, this is serious. If you've been in a small group, you could have told your small group, and the small group would have let me know. And, and you would have had people in the hospital, which you feed me, making sure everything was taken care of, because that's what our church family does. 
I remember Jay, Jay had that blood clot. Some of y'all remember? Jay had a blood clot. I didn't find out until three days later. He was in the hospital, and I was mad. Why? Why didn't y'all tell me? I love Jay. Man, why didn't y'all tell me he had a blood clot? I was like, who's taking care of him? They're like, Pastor. He called a small group. They got it all taken care of. Right now, you're an afterthought. Because the same Jesus I carry is the same Jesus that the small group carry. is the same Jesus that when they laid hands on him, he was healed and he recovered. Okay, let me get back to that. So this person I did, I apologized to him. And, you know, the reason why I apologize is because it would help them forgive me. It would help them forgive me. See, it doesn't matter if someone actually sinned against you or not. It's the perceived sin that causes bitterness. See, what we think people, a lot of times we think that people do stuff intentionally to us, so we perceive, which means it's our view, that they did something wrong to us. And really, probably like 80% of the time, nobody did nothing to you. You just took it that way. That's why it's really important that you talk to people when they hurt your feelings. Is it hard? Why is it so easy for you to go tell somebody else that somebody else hurt your feelings? It's easy to tell somebody else. Why, why isn't it easier to tell the person that did it? We'll get into that later. I'll tell you the characteristics of bitterness. This is how you know if someone's bitter. Wait. I don't want you looking at anybody else and seeing if they're bitter. This is how you know if you're bitter. Ooh, yeah. You know, because most of us right now go, ooh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this message. <laughs> no, you here to hear this message because it's for you. Huh? This is how you know if you're bitter. Bitterness remembers the details. Mm-hmm, yes, yes, mm-hmm. Got spiritualness. Ooh, that, that, hey. You... Bitterness remembers the detail. If you ask somebody that's bitter about a situation, they're going to tell you everything that was going on. They're going to be like, it was, it was a Monday night. I believe it was the 12th of September. That night, i always remember. It was the 3rd of September. But anyway, it was 6.03 p.m. We were standing on the corner of Sunset. In Pintail. There was a green Chevrolet that was passing by doing about 23 miles an hour. The person was standing there in front of me. They had their right foot forward, left foot back, knee slightly bent, and their head cocked sideways. I remember all of it because they had a piece of something in their teeth as they said what they said. You remember every single detail when you're bitter about something. And you know why you remember every single detail? Because you go over it and over it and over it and over it in your mind. And you know what happens when you go over and over and over it? You're always adding to the details. And then you go tell the story, say, Kai was there. Was well, Kai's like, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't there. Guess you was, Kai. You was right there. You were standing left. No, I, I wasn't there. But we play it over and over and over. See, bitterness will take you there in those type of things. It gets you delusional. Because you play the scene over and over again. Saints of God, you know, the weird thing is so many things can happen to us. Good things can happen to us. We don't play the details over and over and over again in our, in our minds. 
But when it comes to somebody that's somebody that's close to us, and they, and they do something to hurt our feelings, we hold on to it, and we take a picture of the scene. And I know, I'm, I'm telling you right now, there are times that you guys wish that you, when you got an argument with somebody that you had your camera on, like. <laughs> you know why? So that you can play it back. You hear what I just said? You're setting yourself up to be bitter because you're going to keep playing it back. But your mind is telling you, oh, it's evidence. It's evidence of what they did to me. It's evidence, see, right there. Come here. Hey, Kaya, look at this. Right here. Mm -hmm. See that? Right there. It was the 3rd of September. See, timestamp. I'm always going to remember that. When you're bitter at something, you can't let go of it. There's people in here right now bitter. It's something you can't even let go of. Watch this. People have done some nasty, downright despicable things to you, ungodly things to you. How am I supposed to let that go, pastor? You, you become bitter about it. You're holding on to it. It's an offense that you can't let go, and it makes you bitter. You become obsessed with it. I don't believe in ghosts, but bitterness, those past things, they haunt you. Why does it haunt you? Because it leaves you in this, this state of not feeling well. Every time you think about it, you get depressed and you might even get sick. I've counseled many, many couples, many, many times, you guys. I've counseled people many times, couples that have been married for years, had great marriages, great marriages, but sometimes... Somewhere in the marriage, either was there was infidelity, there were things said, I don't know what happened, but out of the 50 great things that happened, out of the 500 great things that happened, one bad thing happened. One. And now they're ready for a divorce. Because they don't want to let go of it. They're bitter about something. They don't know how to communicate. Sometimes people can't communicate, and that's why you need a mediator. Somebody come in and help you. Look. But these people are ready to give it up. Why? Because they keep playing the offense over and over again. I sit down and listen to somebody in counseling, and they'll tell me, well, she did this. Well, he did that. And I did it because she was doing this. Well, I did it because he was doing that. And blah, blah, blah. And they, don't, they don't never, they don't always, they don't never, listen, don't say F never and always. You don't never clean the house. You don't never help me. I never help you. You always say, I always say this. Never and always. You don't need to say it. Except for God will never leave me nor forsake me. It's the only time. God has always been there. Praise God. When a person's bitter, no detail is forgotten. Oh, let me get back to the couple. So when you, you sit there and tell the couple, so I say this to them. As they're talking all this bass, I go, wait, stop. Tell me one good thing about this person. You know, the funny thing is, when I ask them to tell me one good thing, it takes them a minute because they've been so focused for years on the bad thing. They always go, well, mm, mm. yeah, that tells me what you've been focused on. But you give them a second, they'll start rolling, get their mind on the right thing. They'll start, well, you know, I really used to love the way they made me laugh. I love spending time with them. I love the way they looked at me. I love how they made me feel when they grabbed my hand. And all of a sudden, here starts rolling. So what do you think about her? 
Man, I just love the way she looks in the morning when she wakes up. My bedhead and everything. She's beautiful. <laughs> you know, you start, and then if you get your mind off of what, okay, so now that you, you got their minds on the right thing, now let's deal with the, the, the odds. Because we could see you guys still love each other. But something's coming between you. It sounds like a root of bitterness that has sprung forth and separated you two. When a person is bit, uh, bitter, your resentment causes you to be obsessed with it and all the sordid details and events. So we learn what makes you bitter? Perceived sin. Number two, we found out that the characteristics of bitterness is remembering the details. And number three, why do we become bitter? Because we think we have the right to be bitter. I got a right to be mad. Calm down. I got a right. Put your hand on your head. Hold your head. I'm not going to snap my fingers. Yeah, it's going too far. You know what I mean. What they did to me, I got a right. Bitterness isn't based on how big the offense is against us, but it's on how close the offense is. For instance, while you're in here, if somebody stole your car, you'd be upset, right? But here's worse. If somebody comes in your house that you know you love and they take $5 off the counter, you're not offended. You're upset that your car was stolen, but you're betrayed and hurt that some, a friend, a family member stole $5 from you because you would have just gave it to them if they just would ask, Right? So it doesn't matter how big the issue is, it's how close the person is to you. And it's funny that when people close to you do stuff to you that creates you to be bitter, that you feel like you have a right to be bitter. Because look, they shouldn't have done that to me. That was wrong. You know that was wrong. So therefore, I have a right to be mad, and I have a right to cut them out of my life. Am I right? We don't get bitter about evil outside our immediate context. Bitterness is based upon how close the sin and the sinner is to us. It's not about how big the sin is. It doesn't have to be a big sin. It could be a little sin. If your husband doesn't take out the garbage once or twice, you won't get uh, mad over it. You're not going to get bitter out, out of that. Right, babe? <laughs> but if you don't ever take the garbage out, no, never and always, you're going to get bitter about it. Amen? So it's, it's, it's like, look, I asked you to do something. Just help out around here, and you're not helping out. So she'll get upset, and she'll hold on to that. Not my wife. Just she, figuratively. Because my wife forgives me quickly. Prophesy. <laughs> look, you think you have the right to get bitter. Someone has sinned against you, and there's been no apology, no remorse, no change in behavior. So you feel like you have a right. As I'm talking to you right now, hopefully you're thinking of somebody that's done messed up. They ain't said sorry to me. They ain't did this. I don't have to. I'm, I'm holding on to it because they ain't apologized. They're, they're not even remorseful. They ain't even changing. I got a right to be bitter. You will continue to be bitter until they get down on their hands and knees and make things right again. And until they do, you feel like you have a right to be bitter. Well, saints of God, let me ask you something. Let me help you. Uh, get this picture. What if they never see the light? What if they never apologize to you? What if they die and never apologize? 
you're going to live the rest of your life a bitter mess. There's some of us in here right now that people have done something to you, and they are long gone. They are either with the Lord or somewhere else. And you are sitting here mad and upset with them. Can I help you guys out? Do you realize that bitterness doesn't hurt anybody but yourself? Huh? That's like me getting a knife. If I'm mad at you, me getting a knife and stab myself and start twisting it going, now, ha, take that, ha, ha, ha. You're looking at him like, fool? That's what bitterness does. It hurts yourself. You're literally taking the knife and looking at the person going, you're doing this to me. It's all you. And this is, no, they're looking at you like, what are you doing? And most of the time, listen, a lot of times you'll be doing that, they'll go, you're crazy. I didn't do that to you. You're doing it to yourself. Because they're looking at your reaction and not what's causing the reaction. But if you can make clear what causes that type of feeling, then maybe they'll address the feeling and not your reaction. You guys get it? Because, see, most of the time we're hurt, we react. We don't expose what hurt us. We, we react. So, for instance, if I walk by and step on your foot, you push me. I didn't know I stepped on your foot, but you pushed me. And because you pushed me, I'm going to turn around and punch you. This I'm telling you, it's reality, thank you. This is why people get killed in clubs. Oh, he got killed for stepping on his shoe. The dead person probably never knew he stepped on his shoe. All he knows is that he was just trying to walk by to get to his girlfriend. And he was trying, you know, the club, he was just walking, stepped on somebody's shoe, and his dude would have said, hey, man, you're stepping on my shoe. I'm sure he would have said, oh, I'm sorry, bro. But I step on your shoe, and instead of telling me I stepped on your shoe, you want to react and push me. And now that I'm pushed, then I'm going to turn around and react. Because both of us in our, are in our flesh. And you guys know what flesh push flesh equals? Mess. Two flesh. Doesn't make any sense to be bitter, bitter the rest of your life. Because of the real or perceived sin that somebody else did. No way, no way, no way that you're able to just let bitterness go. It has to be, and it's become a part of your life. Some of us in here have been bitter for so long that we just can't let go. We've gotten used to living bitter. And I know you know some people like that, just bitter. And the hard part about it is even if that person that made them bitter came and apologized to them, they'd still be the same way because they've gotten used to living that way. There's some of us in here right now are just bitter, nasty people because we've been hurt so many times and we've held on to those hurts. The root of bitterness has came in, has entered in, and it's sprouted roots, and it's choked the word out of us, becoming unfruitful. You know what unfruitful is? You're not showing any signs of peace, of love, of joy, of temperance, or long-suffering. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says that it chokes the word out of you, becoming unfruitful, because that bitterness is a root. You're in church, you're serving, but you just people just don't want to be around you. And the person that hurt you, Ben, said they sorry. Man. Bitterness is your problem, not somebody else's problem. When you're bitter, it's not anybody else's problem, so don't look at them to get rid of your bitterness. An apology isn't going to get rid of it. 
you got to let it go. So you ask me, Pastor John, what can we do about bitterness? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. There's three things we can do about bitterness. We can keep it inside, we can let it out, or we can dig it up. First, if you keep it inside, this is what happens. You keep it inside, it'll make you sick physically, emotionally, physiologically, and spiritually. Eventually, it will kill you. It's that deadly. You can see bitterness in the face of bitter people. You ever see people walk around like, bitter, the bitter face, remember the commercial, bitter bear, beer face? Bitter people. Second thing we can do is let it out. Many psychologists will tell you to go to the other person that you're bitter against and let it out. Don't keep it in. Share it. Why keep it in and make yourself sick? Let it out and get everybody else sick. Listen, don't let it out and get everybody else sick. You let it out to the person that's offended you. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 18, it says when somebody's odd against you, you go to them. Let me explain real briefly how stuff happens when we are in church and we like to cover things up. So, let me use the person. So, Jackie comes to me. Jackie says, Pastor, did you know, I come to you because I need some counseling. Minister Atira has done something to me and blah, 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 and, and I like to, and I'm, I'll stop. I, you need to go talk to Atira about it. Okay, so now she's still not feeling well about it, so she goes over to Pastor Jenny. She's a pastor. I'm going to come to her for counseling. Pastor Jenny, I have this problem with Sister Tira. Sister Tira, is, is she doesn't listen to me when I talk, and we, we, she doesn't get along, and blah, blah, blah. Pastor Jenny goes, ah, you need to go talk to Tira about it. Most of us in here think, well, can't we go to the pastors and, and counsel if we have counsel about somebody? That's not what the scripture says. So she does that. She walks over to Atira, they settle their difference, or maybe they don't settle it, but they agree to disagree. Here's the problem. You guys ready for this? So the moment the ought that she had is seen by me or Pastor Jenny, she's planted a seed of discord. She's dropped that off because she said, I got a problem. She never listens to me when I talk. So maybe, maybe all of a sudden Jenny goes over to her and tries to talk to her, and it, it appears that Tira's not listening to her, now she's going to agree with what she heard because that seeds in her, and then all of a sudden that's going to spring up in her. And then maybe she does it to me, and then all of a sudden that root springs up to her. That's why it says a root of bitterness will spring up defiling many. That's the reason why the Bible in Matthew chapter 18 says this. If you have an ought with a brother, if somebody sinned against you, you go to them. Don't come to me for counsel. They're the one that hurts you. I, well, I don't know how to approach. This is how it should be handled. Hey, look, you know, brother and sister, I need you to pray for me because I have this issue with Sister Atira, uh, and, um, and, and uh, I, I want to tell you what it's all about. You go, stop. I don't want to hear it. If you got a problem with her, you go to her. Don't tell me what it is, but I'll pray for you right now. Matter of fact, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to call her and get you guys together. That's fighting to keep the unity of the body of Christ. See, we do stuff and don't realize we're doing damage. Don't come in here talking to me about somebody else. Go to them and talk to them. And if they don't want to talk to you, then you get an elder. You come see me, Pastor Lionel, Pastor Jenny. You come see Kai. You come see a T-Ref. It's not about her. It, <laughs> Sorry. 
Then we'll go with you. That's what the scripture says. Go to Matthew 18 and read it later on. It'll tell you how to deal with problems with other people. So when you let it out, you let it out with the person that offended you. Last thing we do is dig it up. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by this many become defiled. We just talked about that. We have to dig up the root of bitterness that's in us. We got to get that thing out of there because it's going to spring up. And when it springs up, it springs up fruit. And the fruit of bitterness is division. Our country is divided right now because everybody's looking to be offended about something. Oh, my gosh. If I say I don't agree with you, how can you get offended? Because I don't have the same view you do. How can two walk together unless they agree? Do you realize that agreeing to disagree is agreement? I may not agree with you, but it doesn't mean I hate you or dislike you. Why can't the church get that together? Man, I could get so deep into that right now. But the whole problem is, saints of God, is that us as a church, we are so divided that people outside the church don't even want to be a part of it because they could stay out there and be divided. But they want to come into a place where it's okay to be themselves. Well, you know what? I feel that this guy should be president. I feel that this should be this. I feel like cookies should be free. I feel like this. If they can feel that way. I don't feel like cookies should be free. Well, I do. Well, I don't. Well, praise the Lord. I do believe that Jesus is God. He came in the flesh. He died on the cross for you and me. If we can agree with that, then we agree. Everything else is minors. Stop focusing on it. Saints of God, and then we get offended because they don't agree. Well, cookies, cookies, cookies should be free, and you're wrong, and I don't see how you, you all that. Do you believe he thinks cookies shouldn't be free? Everybody should have cookies. As I bring this to a close, you got to say, Pastor John, how do we get rid of the bitterness? I, I, I got bitterness. I, I got some in me. And, 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 and you know what? I'm, let's, let's just take it. Let's just take account. How many people in here have bitterness in them? Raise your hand. Okay. How many people lie in church? Raise your hand. I raised my hand too. You know what the cold part about it is? The people that didn't raise their hand, you're unaware of the bitterness that's in your life. That's all it is. Or you were just embarrassed to raise your hand because you were scared about what people were going to think about you. It's okay. This is a safe place. There's nothing but grace in this house. You guys hear me? But we don't realize all of us harbor some type of bitterness somewhere in us. <laughs> watch this. Watch this. Don't say anything. I, I, I'm just going to... Just tell me the tins you get when I say this. You guys ready? Donald Trump. Some of you, some of you jump in your spirit. The spirit just, huh? Why are you bitter at the man? You don't know him. He ain't never even did anything against you personally. Personally. say a lot of different things. 
What about the person that, that molested you? What about the, 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 the woman that broke your heart? What about your parents that walked out on you? What about that husband or wife that cheated on you? What about the person they cheated on you with? What about the person that got the job you deserve? Am I helping anybody out? Because maybe you didn't think he was bitter. Because if I said it and it brought back a memory and you remember the detail, so how do we get rid of it? We got to recognize our bitterness. We got to realize that that bitterness is our problem and we got to confess it as sin. We recognize our bitterness. The tendency is to look at the offender and the offense, to obsess on it, to think about how they wronged us. But before we get rid of bitterness, you have to confess that you hold resentment for that person. You have to confess it to God. Not confess it to a friend, not confess it to anybody, but if you want to let go of it, you've got to confess it to God. Then you've got to realize that that bitterness is your problem, not somebody else's. You can't blame somebody for your bitterness. You're bitter because you decided to be bitter. And the last thing is, you've got to confess it as a sin. Because to hold an odd against somebody, to hold on to that, is sin. Do you realize that we all have offended God? We all have offended God. But he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him shall, should not perish but shall be saved. It shall receive eternal life. God gave us, even though we offended him, he didn't hold it against us. He gave us something that we didn't deserve. That grace was called forgiveness. So as we do, we understand that we got to confess it as a sin and say, God, please forgive us for holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness. Show me what that bitterness is and help me remove it. God's not going to remove it for you you got to ask him, help me. When he reveals it to you, you got to start trying to pull that thing out of you, and then God's going to help you. Now, God, here, take it out of me, God. God says, no, I'm the helper. I'm going to help you remove it. As you bring that thing front forward, you're going to start confessing it, and you're going to say, God, this is sin. It's not like you remove it from me so that I could be free. Because right now, this is talking about setting yourselves free. Saints of God, don't remove bitterness from you from your heart it'll devastate you it'll destroy you it'll discourage you it will divide you it will defile you and deprive you it will devastate you spiritually destroy you physically it will discourage you emotionally it will divide the fellowship it will defile your relationships and deprive you of being a blessing God is calling all of us to fight to keep the unity of the church to fight, to have real, relevant relationships. Saints of God, there's people in here I'm looking at right now. I have offended you, and I may do it again, but can you love me enough to come tell me that I've offended you? Don't hold on to that offense, because there's people in here that have offended me, but I've come and told you, you've offended me, because I want to keep the relationship. And do you realize, watch this, you gain a brother when you hear him. Matthew 18. When you come to that brother, you ought against me, and he hears you. The Bible says you have gained a brother. 
I've witnessed it. I am closer to people because they've confronted me. And that's what I wanted to build it so that we could take this unity and show the unity outside and people will see that unity and want to be a part of the church, not just because there's great singing, not because we give away toys, not because of community, because they know the one that unites. That's Jesus Christ. So you guys join me. Next week, I'm going to tell you right now, every year I usually preach on my Christmas sermon is, are you ready for Christmas? Preach it every year for the last nine years. I preach the same message because it talks about, are you ready for Christmas? Christmas is the coming of Christ. Are you ready for the next coming of Christ? That's what I always preach. But God just put this on my heart to preach about a gift that he gave us. And the greatest gift that anybody can give themselves is forgiveness. So you guys come next week, invite some friends, because guys, a lot of people don't realize what forgiveness is. We're going to talk about what forgiveness is, and most of all, what it's not. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. Can you guys just pray with me? I'm going to do altar call different today. Since all of us have bitterness in our hearts, knowingly and unknowingly, I want everybody to pray. Just pray and agree with me. Lift your hands up. Lift your hands up to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now. First of all, I thank you for just being the God of who you are. You were just God all by yourself. When you sit high and you look down low, Lord, the, the heavens is your throne and the earth is your footstool. There are none like you. As far as the east is from the west, we have searched all over, and there is none like you. And God, we just say today that we surrender ourselves to you. We lay our lives down a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And Lord, we say today, please help us search our hearts. Reveal to us, Lord, whatever it is that we are holding on to, whatever resentment, whatever bitter root that is in our hearts, Lord, reveal it to us right now. For, Lord, wherever, whatever bitterness we are holding on to, Lord, we declare it as sin in our lives. And it and is holding us back from a relationship with you and our brothers. And, God, as you show it to us, God, I just ask right now that you be the helper and help me remove this bitterness out of my heart. That I may be able to love this person. That I may be able to let this go so that I can grow closer and closer to you. God, show me and make me aware of the times that I'm holding on to things that I need to let go. Lord, help me forgive those the same way you've forgiven me. Help me give people grace the same way you've given me grace. And Lord, I thank you for this. I shall continue to do this the rest of the days of my life. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody said amen. Amen. Give God a praise. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.